one of the things we did on a regular basis was called video witnessing. Back when there were no iPhones, we took a very large camera to the movie theaters on Friday nights or to big public places and asked people questions about their faith. And one specific time, instead of finishing up whatever our interview series was, our youth leader took us uh, ding-dong ditching and doing a ton of different stunts from the show Jackass. I'm probably not supposed to say that word on your podcast. Damn, I'm glad I didn't peek in high, high school Cause my best days will be in the past I know, I know, I know, I know Looking back, it ain't all bad But damn, I'm glad I didn't peek in high, high school Hey everyone, welcome to Unlearning Youth Group We're the podcast where we take a look at all the things we learned back in youth group Find the good, unlearn the bad, and figure out where the heck we go from here we haven't met. My name is Jonathan Crone, and I'm joined as always by our guest or our co-host, not guest host. Man, I just degraded you, Eric. No. I'm joined as always by Eric Williams. Eric, go ahead and say hey to the people. Sounds like I just got a demotion, but no, seriously, if uh, you guys have ever been a part of an in-group or left out of an in-group, this discussion is going to be for you. Uh, yeah, your pay is going to stay the same, even though you've been degraded. <laughs> So we don't have to worry about that. This week, uh, our topic is one that's probably not as sexy as some of the earlier episodes, but it's one that I think is really important if we want to continue to reach people for the gospel. Eric, this is one you dealt with a lot more growing up than I did. So it's kind of cultural, but can you go ahead and fill us in on what we're talking about today? Yeah. So just brief background, you know, for those listeners out there, Jonathan is in the, you're in the Bible belt essentially, right? Like right in the middle of the belt loop of a Bible belt and uh, in the South. And I, I've never lived in the South or the Bible belt. So culturally, when I uh, when I was growing up, I was in New Mexico around a lot of uh, Catholics and people that were, were non-church affiliated. And then I grew up in Northwest Ohio, which again, same type of situation where, where there was a not a huge uh, Bible cultural thing like you would see in the South of the Bible Belt. So this this is definitely a cultural thing for me. But this topic for today is uh, how we view non-Christians and not even non-Christians, but just people that don't go to church in general. So it's like this insiders versus outsider language. And, uh, you know, we were joking about this earlier, but it's like calling unchurched people the lost and, you know, referring to them in those sorts of ways, right? Like you've probably heard it at youth group, at churches. How do we how do we reach? How do we reach those lost people, right? What can we do today, man, that's going to help us reach the lost people of our community? Man, when you just get it, it when you dig into the, the Southern drawl, it's even better. I just, <laughs> I mean, it, but that's what, it, that's what it is. Like, that's what it, it is. It, everyone's thinking like, what, what should we, what can we do to reach the lost? How do we reach right. the lost? And it's one of those things that we don't realize is degrading to the people that we're trying to reach until right. it's pointed out to us. And then it's like that glass shatter. One of my favorite TV shows is How I Met Your Mother. And they had an episode of like, you don't realize things until you do. And then once you do, it's like the glass has been shattered and you can never go back. And that entire episode was just them learning new things and the glass being shattered. And this is one of those things that if you don't realize you're doing it, the glass hasn't been shattered. But once you have that glass shattered, you are able, it is scary how often you do this without even realizing it. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, the terminology that we're using for people is just so interesting uh, in that in that way, because, you know, you, you start to call them the lost. And how many of us have been a part of, uh, you know, like I, I can think of 
maybe in this last week, I've been a part of a group that's praying and, you know, not to not to psychoanalyze people's prayers or judge them or anything like that, but it's like we're praying for the lost. We're praying for those sorts of people. And it's just it start when you really think about the implications of what you're saying, um, we really don't realize the impact it could potentially have. And also, like you said, it it keeps us from being able to really reach people for the gospel if we're not careful. It our couple weeks ago we had the Christian cuss words episode. And we talked about how we created all these Christian cuss words or whatever, but there really is a Christianese language. Yes. There yes. is a language that we use amongst other believers who are in the church that is totally different from regular English, that if you're not in the church, you don't use it. Right. And I think this is one of those things that is part of that language that we don't realize is actually a foreign language. Yeah. And we don't realize how confusing it is on one side. Like some of those things are just confusing. Like, hey, we're going to meet in the narthex. The what? The sanctuary. What? We're going to worship. What? Like it's just some of just in general confusing, but other things are off-putting, like referring to my lost friends or my lost family members. Like that all of a sudden, the, the implication of that it could could be much more off-putting for people. So as someone who has lived outside of the Bible Belt, as someone who has lived around uh, people who, quote unquote, were lost, how would you describe the feeling is amongst people who don't go to church, who maybe aren't Christians, when they hear Christians and church people talk about them as lost? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think like if you're a listener in a major metropolitan area, maybe on the coast or something like that, if you're in New York, Boston, anything else like that, like you understand this, uh, the what we would say as lost people, they don't think they're lost, right? Because they don't have the same Christian mindset. They don't understand where we actually get that term, the lost from, or, you know, how that, that was used in the New Testament. It, but it just, it becomes this like, church shorthand, obviously, because we need to be able to label uh, the types of people we're talking about. You know, everybody, you, mother, father, brother, sister, they all have labels. And so somebody who's outside the church needs a label. But when we label them as lost, it really takes on this condescending tone um, that can be offensive, especially when people realize, oh, you're talking about me. Like no, uh, most people I know that don't go to church they don't care that they don't go to church. And it's, there's nothing that they're lost from. There's no inkling that says, man, I'm missing this thing, especially if you're outside of the Bible Belt and it's not part of your culture. One of the other images, you know, as, as we were like preparing for this that I thought about it is like anytime I think of somebody talking about the lost, I think about that, uh, that song from Little Mermaid that uh, Ursula sings, just talking about the poor, unfortunate souls. Like, so if you're <laughs> if you're a Disney dad or, you know, your kids are into Disney, you just think through that. And I'm just like, oh, everyone we're trying to reach is some poor, unfortunate soul that that we're this white knight savior that's going to come in and swoop them up. And when in reality, that's, you know, it's kind of true, but it puts the Christian in in an awkward position, uh, elevating us essentially above like, hey, you're lost. I'm found. I'm better than you. Yeah, it makes us morally superior or spiritually right. better. And while I mean, I think there are things that can be theologically true and culturally insensitive. Yes. And some people, someone listening to this might say, well, the gospel is offensive. The gospel is supposed to be offensive. And I mean, there's, there's truth to that. I'm not going to disagree with that, but if we are meant to love people well, which that's the, that's the first command, the most often given command by Jesus is to love others. Well, 
we have to be sensitive to how we talk about them and how we group them into things. Even saying group them feels a bit condescending because it's others. We're making them the others. And this is one of those things that I think like, yes, uh, they are quote unquote lost, but that's not the best way to refer to them. And, And to say those things in mixed company around people who do not know Jesus, it just gives off this air of superiority that makes people even more clenched fists, hands up, anti-gospel, not willing to listen because to them, we already think we're better and we're here to save them instead of viewing them as equals who just don't know Jesus. Right. Yeah. And if you're, you know, if you're in a church environment or if your theological preferences um, are already one where uh, you don't really think that uh, you, you don't want to do the things like the the coffee in your church or or uh, you know any sort of music that people would uh, identify with or you know if you're, if you're not looking for that inviting nature anyway then maybe this discussion isn't for you because that's just not the way you roll but I think for those of us that that understand that and see that and say hey you know the reason why we want an inviting experience in our church the we the reason why um, uh, you know, I obviously want people to know I'm a Christian, but I'm not going to be Ned Flanders walking around all day, every day. You know, I want to be relatable and real is because you realize that the people you're trying to reach are just like you in some aspect. And so by using this language, you're essentially separating yourself from them as well. And I think as we talked about, like, yes, this is a biblical term, uh, but I think we're we're really perverting and subverting the way that Jesus used it specifically in the Gospels. Yeah, he totally used the term lost in his stories, but he didn't use it in the same context that we use it. When he said the lost, the lost sheep, it's because he was willing to leave everything from the comforts of heaven, which where he was to begin with, he left that in order to go seek and save the lost. He gave up everything. He was freaking murdered in order to find those who were lost. And so when he said that, it's because he was going to go find them and bring them to his father. It wasn't because we wanted a reason to put donuts in our lobby to attract new people. Right. And I think it's just a mindset shift that is small, but really important that the context Jesus spoke of, of the lost sheep, he doesn't find the sheep and then tell them all the reasons that they were lost. He doesn't berate the lost sheep. He finds them to love them. And when he finds them, he throws a party because he was so glad he found them. It's that, but that's not how we treat lost people. So I hope you can see the difference in what we're talking about. And yes, Jesus did this and he did use this language, but our culture and the way we use it is different than he did. Right. And I think that there's, you know, there's other principles like this too. And I, I forget who I heard this from exactly, but you know, it was like, we always read the Bible and we see, we see a story like David and Goliath and we think we're David and not the, you know, frightened Israelites shaken in our armor on the side. Like we see what Jesus did and we're like, we're Jesus. And it's like, no, you're not. You're, you're one of the disciples on the side that he's telling this to saying, Hey dummies, you don't get this. So let me explain it to you. So as much like try to avoid putting yourself in this, like, well, I'm going to be the savior and I'm going to go search. No, we're called to go out. Yes, we're called to go out and make disciples. We're called to go out and evangelize. But at the same time, don't use language that may inadvertently put you in the position of Jesus when in fact, that's not, I mean, Jesus is the one 
that comes to call and, you know, save the lost. We are, you know, we're supposed to spread his message. And I think, you know, if we're ready to go into kind of what we got right about it, or maybe on the sides of, of where, uh, where Jesus was preaching about these things, I think we can make some interesting parallels between when he uses the term lost and what that actually means. Before we get to the, I just had a thought that it's not in our notes and we didn't plan to go this route, but if we're tying it back to youth group and the things we were taught in youth group, I think back to every single mission trip that we did or <laughs> serving project. It was to go do something for the lost. Yes. We're going to go find someone who has less than us and we're going to be the white saviors who come in and build the thing for them because they couldn't do it themselves, paint the building because they couldn't paint it themselves. And then at the end of the week, we're going to take some pictures with some brown kids yep. and post it all on social media to think about how good we are because we went and evangelized to the lost. Yep. And there's a whole different conversation and episode that we should probably have around mission trips because mm-hmm. um, we've learned a lot in the last 15 to 20 years about mission trips. But I think about just that's how we viewed people. We, we, parachute into their culture. And this, and when I say their culture, it could be our neighbor who just doesn't speak Christianese. We parachute into their culture, tell them all the reasons they're wrong and they've been doing it wrong, and then try to fix them. And I don't think that's what Jesus was trying to do when he came to seek and save the lost. Yeah, that is a great point because it's, it's, it's putting, the, you're putting more emphasis on the lost than what is intended. Because if we're talking about the topic of unchurched, non-Christian, the lost. It's people who don't have a relationship with Jesus and or people that don't go to church, right? So there's like that aspect of it. But then we expand that out into kind of, you know, from from our context, from our American Christian view of like, well, if they're not upper middle class, uh, you know, white with the same sort of privileges and benefits that I have, they're lost. And the fact that they also don't go to church, you know, like that just adds to it. And it becomes even more problematic as we go on because we stop assigning just like, okay, we need to try and help people understand or, or ha- you know, have a viewpoint of the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ. And now it's like we've, we've allowed other pieces of pork into that side and saying, oh, they don't have the same things I do. They don't have the same privileges I do. So therefore they're not, you know, they're othered. They're not as good as me. They're whatever. And I need to go do something for them. And then it brings up the question of, am I loving them or serving them because I want to convince them of something and to right. save them? Right. Or am I loving them and serving them because Jesus tells me to love and serve my neighbor? And so I think intentions are incredibly important here because again, we're in the weeds of this. We're, we're talking about something that's very there's a thin line here. And I think it's important for us as we grow older, as we, again, the, the point of this entire podcast is to help us think through some of these things we were taught as kids so that we can do better as adults and we can parent and lead our kids and kids that we might be leading in student ministries now better. And so as we think through that prism, we've got to realize that God calls us to love people regardless of lost or unlost. And if the only reason we're loving them or save or serving them is because we want to save them or to find them, then we're not truly loving them. Right. Yeah, you're right on the on the intention part. The other thing is like, are you just checking off a box because your youth pastor told you you had to, or your your youth leader said, "Hey, how many of your unchurched friends have you talked to today?" You know, is that a box that you're checking off, or do you truly believe that the message that you're sharing with them 
is the good news that that when they have a relationship with Jesus, it will change your life for the better? Or is it so that way, you know, if you get enough people to show up and enough hands raised or enough baptisms, then you're going to get a pizza party? You know, and that that's uh, incentive based stuff like that can be can be something that you have to unlearn now as an adult, which becomes dangerous. Do you invite your friends to church or into spiritual conversations because there is a gift at the end of it or because you really care for them enough right. to tell them what makes you different and what has changed your life? And again, it's a fine, fine, fine line there. Yep. And I think as kids, um, and we're kind of switching into the next set here, which is the, what did we get right? What was the good intention? Um, as kids, we have to be taught that it's important to bring the gospel to our friends who don't know Jesus. Yeah. And so as kids, we're incentivized through the pizza party through, if we have like, when I was in student ministry, we had a thing. If a hundred kids signed up for a fall camp, I was going to pierce my belly button. And so that was a way to get the quote unquote lost into fall camp because we knew at fall camp, there would be spiritual conversations and places that kids could meet Jesus for the first time. So it was a well-intentioned thing that I think like I would pierce my belly button again, if it was for that reason, like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not dogging that at all. But as we grow older, we've got to realize it's got to be more about more than just a, a fat guy piercing his belly button. It's got to be about loving people well and not getting something in return for it ourselves. Yeah, you can do a yes and. Yes, we're going to celebrate. Because, I mean, when you bring up all of the examples biblically about the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost brother, there was a party that was thrown. And, you know, I love the take from that, too, of like, if you're searching all around for uh, a sheep that is, you're like, why am I doing this? Because conventional wisdom is you save the 99 and you cut that lost one out. Same thing with the coin. She searched all throughout the house and all day and had all of her, you know what, searching for this lost lost coin. And then the same thing of how much the father gave up for the lost brother. But after all of those, what did they do? They threw a party, they celebrated, they, they did these things. So yes, there is some celebration that you need to have over, uh, essentially someone who, you know, finds their way to Jesus. So I think that all of that's great, but you have to do the yes. And to say, yeah, let's pierce Jonathan's belly button. But also we're doing this because we know we're celebrating because we know how their lives are going to be better in the end. So what's the good intention? How would you, if someone is listening to this and they've got their fists up and they're telling us they're wrong, why are they telling us we're wrong on this? Oh, oh for, first of all, it's obvious. And you and I, we have marketing backgrounds, so we know this. Like we have to have we have to have labels for people. And I understand that in our society today, labeling people and the othering and stuff like that. Yes, there's a line there where we cannot put people out or degrade people for it. But at the same time, we can't just be like, hey, talk to people about Jesus. Yes, you want to do that. But specifically, we're called, you know, seek and save the lost. We just need a better terminology for it. So the good intention is, yes, we have to have 
names, labels for people so we understand who we're talking about. That's at the base level. I think the other part of the good approach is, like we see in Luke 19.10, like we see in Matthew 18.11, Jesus says he's here to seek and save the lost, right? He's the good shepherd. We have examples of the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost brother. And so these are the examples Jesus gave us, and that's what we're supposed to do. And we say, Jesus called them the lost. Yeah, okay, got it, cool. And, you know, we have to have this idea of like, we have church people, we have unchurched people. Uh, uh, churches I've worked for before have even termed it de-churched, right? For the people who grew up in church, and maybe that's some of you who no longer attend church. And it's good for us to understand where those people are coming from and how to approach them differently. So that would be the good, is when you get to see, here's the category this person is in, here's how I'm going to approach them differently. I live in a neighborhood with a lot of people who go to LDS church, right? And they're in the Mormons. And so it's like, if I know that, it's not that they're coming from a place of no faith. They're just coming from a different faith. And so now my conversations need to be shaped around what I know about them. But even then, I'm actually glad you brought that up. Mormons don't consider themselves Mormons anymore. That is a a label that they have been trying to shake. It's more Latter-day Saints now. Yep. And so... Because labels, are, because labels are dangerous and because labels can carry with it things that you don't want them to carry. So it's exactly the same, whereas like the Mormons on their side are trying to distance themselves because they know the additional baggage that Mormon name carries with it um, in the same way. The church should take a proactive approach on trying to distance ourselves from the unnecessary baggage that comes with calling someone else lost. And I think that gets into part of our culture overall today. There's a shift in the labels and the generation before us and the generation before them. So, I mean, if we're using labels, let's just use labels. Baby boomers and Gen X, um, specifically baby boomers more so than X, They there's this misunderstanding that, well, I called them this, so... Why do I have to learn these new labels? What's the point in new labels? And what we're learning is like, yes, the black community now wants to be known as the black community because they're not all from Africa. Mm-hmm. And so when you say African-American, you're disparaging people who might be from the Dominican or who might be from other parts of the world. So the label has changed to black. And for generations before us, calling someone black was the derogatory. Right. And so these things are changing. We mentioned in the Christian Custard episode that language is fleeting, Mm -hmm. that these things changed. And yes, there may have been a point in time where calling someone the lost wasn't an insult or wasn't degrading. Yes. But we are past that time. In 2021 and beyond, those people, and again, I feel weird just saying those people, (laughs) have learned what we call them and they've taken offense to it. And there are times when a label can be given to you that may or may not be true, that may actually be true, honestly, but still doesn't feel good. Right. And I, I look, I, I think of myself, like I am overweight. If, if you want to give me the medical terminology, it's probably, I don't know if it's morbidly obese or it's something that like, I think of was like, I don't consider myself that. Sure. But if you go by the technicalities, that is that. And I would be offended if you called me that. Because, yes, I'm overweight. I need to lose weight. But I don't consider myself that thing. And right. so 
people who don't know Jesus, they don't consider themselves lost. Yes. And so for us to insult them in that way takes away the idea of us being able to then share the gospel with them. So mm-hmm. the good intention 10, 15, 20 years ago when we were in youth group, lost wasn't a bad word. Right. It hadn't had the con uh, the connotation that it does now. But as culture has changed, that's where it's a bad approach moving forward. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. And I I like I like your story, you know, your personal aspect too. I mean, think about when we were kids, there was a section of the clothing store for Husky, right? Like, <laughs> I lived in that section. But that's what I'm saying is like they literally called you Husky. That was that was the term they used. And could you imagine telling anyone now that's overweight, like, oh yeah, the husky section is over there? That would be massively, yeah, that would be massively offend, offensive. And I love that point where the label, again, carries an intention for someone. And I think when we look back at our parents' generation and, and earlier, they created labels that made sense for them, right? Using uh using the lesser offensive form of the N-word, I guess, to refer to black people, right? Or like my my grandpa called anyone who looked like they were from Asia a Chinaman. You know, like it was labels that made sense to them because for them it was like, oh, this is the category in my head. So as Christians, it's the same thing. This is the category in my head of a lost person. And it makes sense. And it makes sense to all Christians. But as soon as you hear that outside or the person being labeled, now that's where we need, I think we need to shift and move towards that spot to say, what is it going to, what, what can we refer to somebody else that's going to be more honoring to them in general? Because it's going to get out that that's what we're calling them. Yeah. And I think as, I mean, even as I listen to us talking about this, I have, I guess, reservations or I don't know, there, there's a, there's a little check in me that says, are we being too politically correct? Are we trying to be too woke? And I know that there are people who are listening to this who are thinking the same thing. And I think it's not about political correctness here. I don't think it's about wokeness. I don't think it's about whatever the adjective you want to say is. I think it's more about learning what people respond to yes. and loving them well enough to call them something that is not degrading to them. Yes, It's putting aside our intentions and what we think makes sense. Again, I, I use this example all the time. Paul said, if it offends my brother to eat meat, I'm not going to eat meat. And so if it offends my brother to call them lost, even if it's true, I'm going to find another label for them because I don't want to offend them and have that offense get between me and the gospel and them. Right. Yeah. It's any cultural thing too, because you, if you said when you go on a mission trip, you go to another country, they might have different cultural norms than you. And if you don't adjust to them, um, how many of us have been the ugly American that's been somewhere outside of our country and don't adjust our norms for people, whether it's a Christian thing or not, you, you still stick out as the, I don't know, as the idiot, as the unsensitive one, as the one that's, that has no idea what they're doing. And so I think that it's only right, especially if we look at what is our end goal. If our end goal is for them to, uh, to have a personal relation with Jesus and to have their life and their eternity changed forever, then we would do anything we need to do, uh, to make sure that that message doesn't get, uh, twisted or, or doesn't get rejected. You know, it's the, it's the parable of the sower and the seed. We want to make sure that that seed is falling on good ground. And Paul also said, I think it was Paul, was it Paul that said, I become all things to all people. Yes. And so this is one of those things where 
we're going to adapt who we are and the language we use so that we can become that all things to all people. And we can reach and minister and share the gospel with people who don't yet accept it, agree with it, know it. At this point, honestly, I would say most Americans have a baseline knowledge of what the gospel is. Right. It's just a matter of they don't believe it or they don't, they haven't been impacted by it. They haven't met Jesus personally. And so as we think about how do we take this good and use it to move us forward, which is where we always like to leave on this Mm -hmm. podcast, I think it's just about being very sensitive and aware that the words we use to label people and to talk about people, they mean things that could be different than what we think they mean. Yeah. I had a, uh, I had a good colleague that shared this communication is not information sent it's information received. And so I can communicate all I want and I can be, you know, my intention can be whatever, but effective communication is not what I've said. It's how it's taken by the other person. And so if you want to communicate effectively for the gospel, if you want to communicate the gospel effectively, if you want to change people's opinions of what church and Christianity is, it has to be based around how they receive it not necessarily how we say it. Uh, but I think the other aspect of this, the deepest aspect is for those of you that still want to keep going with lost and things like that, more power to you. It's biblical. I understand it. But what what it really hit me when I was doing research into this topic is that we can't, we cannot allow our labels that we are spitting outwards to affect how we feel about that person inwards. If you look at the sheep, the coin, and the brothers, when Jesus is referring to them as lost, they are lost because they are already part of the insider group. The sheep was part of the hundred that ended up straying away. So it wasn't a different outsider sheep. The coin was part of the hundred coins that she had that wasn't, you know, in wasn't in her fold anymore. And the brother was already loved, both brothers were already loved by the father and part of the family. And so we cannot allow our labeling of people who are non-Christians to make them seem like they're somehow outsiders. When Jesus refers to lost, Jesus means that they're loved and he loves all of them the same. And so if we're looking at people and saying, oh, they're lost and they're somehow less than, then we're missing the the reason why Jesus used those parables and those examples to refer to these things. We may only have 12 people listen to this episode, but Jesus only had 12. Honestly, but honestly, like, just hearing you say that for me was a good enough, like it was worth doing this entire episode because I needed that reminder to look at people in the way that Jesus looks at them and not as something different. Right. And so if we get 12 people to listen to this or we get a whole lot more than that, I don't care. I think it's worth it if only for that little bit there. So I want to end on that note. Um, I got nothing to add. That was great. But Care about your friends, care about the people in your, in your community enough to consider how you label them and how you talk about them. That's that's all we're asking. We're 25 minutes into this, and that's all we really want to get across with this episode. So that's it for this week. Eric, can you give a little teaser for what's coming next week? Oh, man. So this week, we we might have strayed a little bit from, you know, central youth group uh 
uh, type of caricatures. But next week, we are going to be diving straight into the deep end of the youth group pool. And so if you've ever had a wacky youth group leader or, you know, your youth group leader has some deep story of redemption or your youth group leader ever dared you to bring in 100 people in and he pierces belly button, uh, then this next episode is for you because we're going to be talking about the cult of personalities in youth groups and in youth group leaders. So that's it for this week. If you have a story that you want to share with us from when you were in youth group, whether as a leader or as a high school or middle school student, uh, go ahead and record those as a voice memo and send them to hello at unlearningyouthgroup.com. Like, subscribe, rate, review. I don't think you can actually like on a podcast, but that doesn't matter. I said it anyways. Uh, Subscribe, rate, review, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, You'll get every podcast each week when they come out share this with a friend if you enjoyed it and we can't wait to see you next week